Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you on a Thursday morning. We're coming in hot. We're coming in hot after a great week of the women's championships. You stayed in the uh, Valley of the Sun. I. Got on a red eye. I'm back in Windermere in the Orlando area. Because when you got a seven to nine-year-old, you got to be home for the final day of school. Maybe a little birthday celebration, I hear. Uh, it could be in the mix. And then you get, back on a, you get back on a plane and you get excited to go do it all again with the men. Well, we have to wish you a, a happy belated birthday, Burko. I mean, thank you. 32 years you, young. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Not every day you turn uh, 31. It was uh, funny when I was doing a hit on the post-game show, College Central, uh, during the break, Anna Jackson said, like, how many of these have you covered? And I said, we got to be getting close to 50. You know, it's somewhere in the 40s. I'd have to do the math. And Anna's the best. And she's like, let's go to a man who's done nearly 50 of these championships. And I said, whoa, whoa, that's men and women combined. Here, Anna. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm old, but let's not uh, do that. Uh, but I appreciate it. I've always uh, somewhat enjoyed that my birthday is around one of the great weeks of the year. Um, and we were treated to a lot of special things. And I will always have a connection with the, the greatest college female golfer of all time, Rose Zhang, because we're birthday buddies. Birthday she twins. is no longer, yeah, well, <laughs> separated by a few decades, but she's no longer a teenager, turned 20 years old yesterday. I'm a few years older than that, and that's right where we're going to start. Individually, Rose Zhang, we've talked about it endlessly on this podcast. Could she? Would she? Would it be the best? Well, she did. Four back, starting the final round. I always had that internal gut instinct. Well, she's going to win. Bogey-free, 68. It was, and I mentioned it to someone, like almost reminiscent of Tiger in his Tay Day. When people see the name, see her coming, it just falls into place. And eight out of 10, matching Lorena from 02. No one will probably ever match Lorena's head-to-head record. Um, but I said it on the broadcast, I said on the post game, it's the greatest college golf season by a woman and probably a man 
yeah. as well. It was that good. I didn't want to be a prisoner of the moment, the recency bias, but I feel like we led up to it. Um, and it was the coronation of a generational talent. And I think we're both lucky and, and know that we were there to see it and cover it. Oh, for sure. And and we weren't the only ones saying that. I mean, we weren't the only ones saying that Rose Zhang is the greatest college player of all time. I mean, her coach, Ann Walker, said it. Laura Ionello uh, from Arizona essentially said it. And she was teammates with Lorena back then. Justin Silverstein said it on the broadcast. So there's a lot of people who look at what she's done and have witnessed it. And many of the same people witnessed Lorena. And so they have a good kind of barometer for greatness, for what it takes. You're one of those people, Burko. Um, I mean, just just dang impressive by what she was able to do because she did not play her best to start the week. She was putting herself in some really bad positions. Um, granted, Rosang's C game is still better than just about everyone in the field, but I think it helped that she had an in- inexperienced freshman in USC's Catherine Park to chase down a player who – as we saw in that final round, unfortunately, struggles with her speed on the greens. She did not putt well down the stretch and opened the door, and Rose didn't make a single mistake that final round. Uh, it was just methodical. She just slowly but surely crept closer to the lead, and then as we've seen many times, she took it, and she never gave it away. And we've talked about all the talent, all the physical tools, I think both you and I can agree, Burko, that her biggest asset is her mind and, and her maturity. And the thing that has impressed me the most about what she's done in these two years, yeah, she didn't go 933 and two and three against college golf, but she still won eight times. She won the two events that Lorena didn't win. And she did it with a deeper college golf, more media requests, NIL obligations, uh, more demands of her time than Lorena could ever dream of back then. Um, she said yes to pretty much everything. And one cool anecdote uh, that I'm going to write about uh, for my little follow uh, for women's golf kind of debating so far is Rose better than Lorena that Ann Walker told me is so Rose is, she was baptized last year. She kind of rededicated herself um, to her Christian faith. And she's on a text thread to where if students at Stanford don't have a ride to church, she gives them a ride to church. So not only is she staying at the practice facility until the lights go off, she gives kids rides to church. I mean, this is mm. an uh, all-around, all-American girl. Uh, she's special. Yeah, you can't make that up. When I had breakfast with Burko yesterday with Justin Silverstein and Kim Llewellyn, as I was waiting for Justin, I hear Steve and Rose's on the balcony, if you will, of the lobby. I'm downstairs and happy birthday. And she comes down and we chatted for 20 minutes. It was, for me, selfishly, it was sort of the payoff of, Wow, that that was just amazing, it, it, and it was just a a chat, uh, humble, gracious words I use over and over. Um, kind with her time, as you alluded to, uh, it was more about golf. It was, uh, but that's who she is. That's what makes Rose Zhang so very, very special. Um, back to back, another one you like. We have to add to the resume. 
the first multiple winner of the NCAA individual championship for the women. Uh, a treat, no doubt about it. Let's pivot individually to uh, team-wise. And before we sort of make that jump to match play, uh, for me, LSU, the one team, maybe a surprise on the outside looking in, third in the country. I think we found out very quickly they just didn't have the depth at four or five. We we thought that to be a concern, um, and I'm I mean it reared its ugly head right out of the gate. And I thought, oh, Ingrid's great, Latana's great, Carla's solid. They weren't going to get enough from those other two. So considering the season they had, the thoughts, the projections of what could be, that's what stands out to me. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting on what Ingrid Lindblad decides to do. Cause if she leaves, um, I think, I think LSU has some work to do um, to stay at the level where they can be a top five team in the country, but Garrett Runyon, great coach. I think what surprised me and it was a pleasant surprise is to see some of the teams like Pepperdine in New Mexico, SMU uh, t- schools that we don't necessarily see too often in this position, but I'll, I'll tell you what, Burko, we do have some listeners in Malibu. The Pepperdine Waves were a little bit motivated by me a couple of weeks ago when I said that they may not have had the experience uh, to get to the NCAA championship, let alone make match play, and they sneak in there as the eight seed. So congrats to Pepperdine. You proved me wrong. Uh, I think adding Janith Wong midseason, that was a huge boost. You have Reese Guzman, who – uh, a senior who's kind of been through it all, the ups and downs, uh, birdies two of her last three to get them through. Yeah, they didn't beat Stanford, Burko, but uh, I think I think Lori Gibbs uh, has to be ecstatic with the season that her program put together. Yeah, caught up with Lori in her 30th season. Uh, hadn't seen her in quite some time, to be honest, and we were sort of chuckling. She's like, would you ever have thought from 20 years ago when it was Lindsay Wright and Catherine Kirk and, and they made a charge uh, a couple of decades uh, ago. And she's like, wow, we're on TV. It's match play. Who could have ever written the script? So good to them, um, you know, to, to play so well, get in the mix. Uh, and who knows, maybe they have revitalized something there. The men have done it with Michael Beard. You know, maybe there's something uh, in the water in Malibu. So, As the match play unfolded, let's sort of jump to the semis. And from the get-go, I'm like, Stanford's on one side, Wake's on another. The the conversation, the debate, who's better? You know, is it Stanford again? Is Wake going to break through? Um, And USC, I don't want to say spoiled the party because they're really good. But I don't think any of us – Yeah, I don't think any of us expected it. All due respect to the women of Troy and Justin Silverstein, a relatively younger, less experienced team compared to Stanford. Um, Rihanna Navarosa, anchor match. Rose admitted it after she got his gas. As great as Rose played in the quarters and in stroke play, she didn't have it. And she never makes excuses. She just... It happens to everyone. Um, but as a whole, USC, the longer they hung around, you're like, okay, Brooks say, okay, Megagane, like, wh- when are we going to get it? So um, 
I don't want to say a disappointing end. I'm sure it was for Stanford, uh, a great season, but that was the one that sort of changed the whole dynamic uh, on that Tuesday afternoon, at least from my perspective. Yeah, and I really felt like Stanford battled. I mean, every single match got to the 17th hole at least. And so th this wasn't a, a case where they just fell flat. I think USC just came to play. And uh, you look at some of these schools and their coaches. I, I don't know if anyone has done a better job coaching this season than Justin Silverstein. You know, it, it's it's easy to coach a team with Roseng and Brooksay and Rachel Heck and Megagane and Ann Walker continues to do a phenomenal job managing all of those talents. Um, one of the best, if not the best coach in the country. But Justin Silverstein, I mean, you look at this lineup and they've had players who have lost their games, who have struggled. Catherine Park didn't even know her yardages when she got to, to campus last fall and just how. You know, he has used analytics and practice. I know we kind of beat the drum on that, but it's really important to what they do. And I thought it was interesting how after they beat Stanford and I asked, what was the strategy behind picking who was going to play Rose in that anchor match? And he said, we knew that to beat a player like Rose on a golf course like Greyhawk, where it's imperative that you just don't make mistakes and you're not going to make a lot of birdies you needed someone that could get hot on the greens because Rose probably wasn't going to make many, many errors. And he could have put Cindy Coe out there. She's statistically their best putter. She's right around even strokes gained, he was saying. But she doesn't really vary. She doesn't have much variance. And Brianna Navarosa can get really hot. And we saw that, especially toward the end of that rose Zang match. I, I do think Rose opened the door. Um, uncharacteristic unforced errors by her especially early double bogey the first hole five over I think it was on that opening nine um, but Bree came to play and USC came to play and you know this is a team that doesn't really lose anyone they lose Malia Nam but they're going to bring back everyone they had a great recruiting class coming in uh, this Stanford's going to have their hands full with this team in the Pac-12 over the next three or four years they are, and you think about a dynasty, if you will. Uh, you know, some will say, "Gosh, Stanford would have won three in a row if it was stroke play." Well, we know it's match play, um, and Ann Walker understands it. All the coaches understand it. Talking before and after the championship, this isn't easy to win, and I'm good with it. Um, and Stanford's going nowhere. You know, the lineup could look a little different. Uh, as it does, but 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 Ann Walker has built uh, a juggernaut, if you will, out there, and and um, they'll be back. I mean, I, I guess it didn't dawn on me till we were actually doing the broadcast. They've made match play every single year at the NCAA's eight for yeah. eight, so that just shows you what Stanford uh, is all about. And when you look at the other side of the bracket, you know Wake Forest almost didn't get by. Florida State, if Amelia Williamson two putts the ninth, which was 18, they go up two to one. And then you have that feeling, oh, my gosh, Wake again just hasn't figured it out. But they get through. They win in the afternoon. And, you know, it sets the stage for Wake Forest and USC with a national championship on the line. USC's won three of them in 03, 08, and 13. Wake Forest had never done it before. And I can make the argument in recent three, four, five years, Wake Forest has been the second best team in the country. 
consistently. Yeah. You go back to 19, had a chance to win it, lost to Duke. Good as any team in the country the last two years. A Greyhawk didn't even make match play, but they reworked things. There was a different kind of approach from putting your head down, stay focused on your job, run through that finish line in a marathon. You know, it, it sometimes you just have to pivot, tweak, adjust. Uh, and I think Kim Llewellyn, I know she told me, like she owned that process. And for Wake to get out to a quick start against USC, exactly what they needed, exactly what the Trojans did not with a younger team. My focus was on Amelia Miliacho and Rachel Keene. Those are those two stalwarts, Curtis Cup experience. And I, in my heart, thought they play well, they win their matches, Wake wins. It's exactly what happened. And to see Amelia leading it off, I felt like that could be the determining factor. And then wins 14 and 15 and closes it out on 16. Uh, it's really a remarkable story uh, in her journey of six years at Wake Forest, but playing <laughs> five of them. Oh, only six. It, I mean, it, it seems like a little more, but it, it, this this victory and this national title for Wake Forest it, it is a testament to that leadership. And I think it starts with Kim Llewellyn. I mean, talking with her last August before the season even started, they had their game plan already. Her, her and Ryan Potter knew what it was going to take, um, whether it was – you know, improving their driving accuracy, improving their lag putting, uh, making sure that they're chipping within that six feet circle um, to give themselves a chance at getting up and down. I mean, those are the kind of the, the physical tools that it would require at Greyhawk. But the other interesting thing is how they scheduled and they wound things down shortly before the Augusta National Women's Amateur. They gave the entire team about a month to rest work on whatever they need to work on individually. And they really showed up, I thought, fresher than than any team and arguably more confident than any team. Because Stanford was a little banged up. I think there were there were some some question marks. Um and then you add some players who may be a little bit rusty back in the fold. Um still a great performance by them. But Wake just had something a little bit extra this week. And you look at how a couple players showed up to a team meeting before the final round of stroke play wearing robes and sunglasses. I mean, just that just shows how cool and calm and collected they were. And then the other funny thing, Burko, and we should have got in on this because I'm a little sore. The night before the final, Ryan Potter's wife went and got five kiddie pools, 20 gallons of water, 20 bags of ice, and they did ice baths out on the pool deck and then jumped in the hot tub, little a little hot, a little cold, <laughs> came out running, and they really didn't give USC a chance. I mean, they, they got out to an early lead, and talking to Coach Silverstein, he, he, he admitted that they used everything that they had in the tank for Stanford, and not to make excuses, because Wake played on a very difficult golf course, firm and fast and fiery. They, they played the rounds of their lives, but USC just just didn't have it. And to touch on Amelia real quick, and I spent countless hours last night kind of focusing on her and, and her journey and how, you know, she decides that maybe, you know, college golf, competitive golf isn't for her after that 2021 disappointment where they collapsed on the final day of stroke play to miss out on the top eight. Becomes our colleague, 
enters a grad program, many people don't realize this, but if she enters a one-year grad program instead of a two-year grad program, she's not back. And so the stars just kind of aligned. And she said in the fall, 2021, had a dream, told Kim Llewellyn about it the next day on the, on the range at the team's practice facility, which she never left, uh, by the way. I mean, she was still there grinding on her game, hitting balls. It was kind of her release. But Kim says, you know, if you want to come back, I got a spot for you. Amelia decides to come back. And as they say, the rest is history. And she's got a pretty, pretty great next month planned. Yesterday's victory, exactly one month to the day that her and her fiance, Charlie Duran, are to be married, Raleigh, North Carolina. And all the plans were finalized, Burko. You'll, 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 you'll appreciate this, except for one. And that was put into place yesterday. They needed a centerpiece. They got one. They're going to put that NCAA championship trophy at the main table so everyone can look at it again. Well, that was the first thing when they threw it down to me for the trophy presentation. And Brad Holbutt, the chair of the women's committee, handed it off. And Kim sort of passed it down and stayed with Amelia. And she said, there's your centerpiece. We finally figured it out. So uh, that's sort of how I kicked it off. Uh, couldn't be more happier for Amelia because you said it. She's become a colleague. She's become a friend. Uh, I think we always enjoy watching both sides of it. And just final sort of sum up on that for, for me. You know, I touched on it all week. I needed to see a sense of urgency from Wake Forest to dig their heels in, to roll up their sleeves. When things get tough, they need to perform differently they did in the past. And right before the matches were going yesterday, went up to Ryan Potter, the assistant, said, good luck, uh, all the best today. And he shared a story at ACC's when they lost to Virginia in the semis. They had a true kumbaya with the team, basically saying, if you think what you're doing is good enough to get it done at Greyhawk, you're wrong. You better change. You better figure it out because what you're doing right now will not be enough. That's rolling the dice a little bit, but I think they were aware of maybe that loss was the best thing that could have ever happened to them. And then for USC, there was motivation. Justin Silverstein saying, we understand what Stanford's done for the better part of the last decade. We respect it. They are the standard. But as he would tell his team before that final uh, day of matches, they've got the big mansion on the cul-de-sac. But we still live in that same neighborhood. We're in that zip code because a lot of people think USC's best days are behind them. And he said it's an opportunity to take some of that space back. While they didn't get it done, um, we know, and I think if anyone had – any doubts, USC is not going anywhere. They're certainly one of the nation's preeminent programs. They made it to the NCAA Women's Championships 25 consecutive times, nearly twice as much as Stanford. So a heck of a week for the ladies. Wake getting the job done for the first time in the history uh, of the program. And Rosang, you know, she does what she always does. A lot of fun to see those titles being handed out. Quick pivot for a few minutes to the men. Practice rounds today. Gets going in earnest on Friday. Teams, I don't want to say who you like. like 
stock up, stock down? Are you buying? Are you selling? You you pose that to me. And it was funny because you think about teams getting here, and I'm just looking at the pairings. Georgia Tech, trending nicely. Arkansas, buddy Julian Perico, trending nicely. Very nice. Florida. Yeah, Florida winning the SECs, showing a little moxie that final day in Michigan. Uh, There aren't many teams that I say, ooh, I'm going to sell. But if you want to, Pepperdine. I'm still not sure what you're going to get from a team that won it all, was back in match play last year. Uh, They won it all two years ago. So I don't know. A question mark for you there. And then still I look at Texas's lineup. Ran into John Fields in the parking lot last night before I went to the airport. I heard the voice. It's dark. I said, John, you're somewhere. Um, Yeah. And you got three freshmen. And, you know, experience counts for a lot, as we've shown for the women. They're obviously very good. Um, But something that struck me, I said, how many subs we got this week? He's like, I don't want my uh, youngsters to be looking over their back or over their shoulder, rather. I said, he's like, we'll talk more. But, you know, for a team that won it all, I think they're going to have a mighty hill to climb just to even uh, sniff making match play, to be quite honest. Yeah, and you wonder if, you know, maybe the, the play would have been to take Travis Vick as a substitute just – to have that experience, maybe not necessarily inside the ropes, but right out of it um, to be able to help some of these younger guys kind of show them the way. But um, I'm not as worried about Texas as I am Texas Tech. You look at this this roster and Callum Scott had a great start to the season. It's kind of tailed off a little bit, been wildly inconsistent this spring. They go as Ludwig Aberg goes and Hogan Award winner um, up for the other two postseason awards or season long awards. Um, he's been going and he's going to have a great week, but I just don't know that there's enough there. As you look at the team like Pepperdine too, the back end of the lineup, they got to, they got to show me something and they got to show their team something. They got to give, you know, their, their horses some confidence because, uh, it's a long week and it can wear you down if you feel like you're four legged or three legged. And, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, teams with momentum, I really like Arkansas. I mean, I, I think that it's a great story sneaking into regionals right on the number. If they lost one more head to head, they would not even be here and have the chance to be here. Everyone seemed to play um, their best golf of the season with the exception of Julian Imperico at regionals. So he's going to figure it out. He likes this golf course. This team likes this golf course 11th, two years ago, ninth last year, the trend is there. I think that they could get it done and surprise a lot of people. Alabama, another team to keep an eye on. I think uh, they're trending uh, in a good direction. Uh, Of course, Vandy, North Carolina, they've been 1A all year long. Can they sort of see it through? Always get that feeling like perhaps this is the year for Illinois to get that elusive national championship for head coach Mike Small. Um, it's going to be good to watch uh, player of the year race. You mentioned Luke Vigaberg winning the Hogan award two, three months ago. I think we all thought Gordon Sargent was a shoe in to win the Haskins award. Now it could be Thorby Ornson. Now it could be Gordon. 
You could might be have ben to say Aberg's got the advantage. Yeah, it could be Five Aberg wins. with a you know regionals and conferences. I I think it's wide wide open. And the sergeant go back to back and push him over. Does Aberg make a clean sweep of the postseason? I think you can narrow it down to those three, four, maybe five names. And honestly, I'll probably have to do a deep dive into the numbers. It wasn't like Rose winning the Annika. I'll do respect <laughs> I, to everyone else. I could else. give you one real quick, Furco. You want to, you want those quick little uh, crash course? Give it to me. Give it to me in 60 seconds or less. You're on the clock. <laughs> so Gordon Sargent, 11 top 10s this year. Hasn't finished worse than T7 all year. Three wins. Now, one of those was the 18-hole sprint at the East Lake Cup. So maybe can count that as a, a half victory. Best scoring average in the country, adjusted scoring average of 68.28. A dominant year that most years would probably get it done for player of the year. I, but I think Ludwig right now has the slight edge because he's won four times. He's won a couple of events that Gordon has in, in conference in regionals. He's finished in the top 10, nine out of nine starts. So th this isn't a foregone conclusion, as you just said, that Gordon Sargent is going to run away with this thing. I think Ludwig's the front runner. I do think if Michael Thorbjornsson, if Ben James with those five victories, perhaps wins the NCAAs, maybe they can win the Haskins Award. But voting's already open. So I, I'm curious to know how how much is in already. Um Last year, I know we had a, a lot of early voting. I mean, it sounds like we're talking about politics here. Um, but I, I, I would implore people to set a reminder for the end of stroke play, um, take into account what happens these next four days, because um, that, I really think it's, it's going to come down to Monday, final round of stroke play on television. You'll be on the call, Burko. Um, and like last year, I mean, with that great playoff that we had, we could get something better this year. And how great would it be to have Ludwig versus Gordon down the stretch battling for player of the year. And then the winner, you know, gets the, gets the Haskins award handed to them. So that would be cool. Sign me up, sign me up uh, a parting thought, a parting shot, maybe a, 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 a sleeper to make a deep run in the match play. I don't want to ask you who's going to pull it all off. Um, you can go there if you want. But um, <laughs> I, I know, have no clue. I have no clue. I don't need to leave it open. Well, someone asked me yesterday as we're wrapping up the women. I'm on the post game in a break. What do you think about the men? And my mind couldn't even get wrapped around it. I'm like, ask me in 48 hours because I need to reboot, reset. Um, the one thing, let's, let's go a different perspective. My final thought. We saw throughout the course of the week, Greyhawk getting firmer, faster. It's that fine line of making it tough but fair for the women and then you have to realize within 48 hours it has to be where it needs to be for the men especially because BYU will play their third round today after everyone's played their practice rounds because of their uh, religious belief they will you know not play on Sunday so the third round hole locations will be put out in the afternoon and they go about their business. So you think about it, they couldn't ease their way into getting this course ready for the men. It was, yeah. there were a few yesterday that were teetering on like four. I'm like, Oh goodness. But uh, it was great. Four, job four is diabolical. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 
you, yes, you, you can't be long on that green. I mean, what, what do we see? A couple of double digit scores, a 13 and an 11. I mean, yeah. just 15, 15 yards short or, you know, 20, 30 feet short of that whole location in the back and get out of there with a par. What do you think? Anything else you'd like to share before you enjoy your uh, your down day in the desert? Yeah, I watch watch out for, you know, maybe a surprise mid-major East Tennessee State. The, they have a lot of experience, have played well here. San Francisco has played well here. It'll be interesting to see how how Thursday, you know, how how today compares for BYU to, you know, to the actual third round on Sunday, just condition-wise, green speed-wise. So that's a very talented team that, you know, has has won some big events this year, upset uh, Pepperdine at the West Coast Conference Championship. So uh, there are no pushovers. Um, there's there's just a lot of a, a lot of teams in that 10 to 20 range that I think are entering with a lot of confidence. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave us with this. If we're looking for a team maybe ranked in that area, um, they they might actually be ranked in the top 10. I really haven't checked that closely. But Florida State, um, you look at the lineup, one through five, pretty solid. And Cole Anderson's taken off. He's uh, kind of notched his game up to a different level this season after contending on the Corn Ferry Tour last summer. A um, couple of guys with, the, you know, a few guys with experience from match play a couple years ago here. So uh, maybe Trey Jones' squad can get back in that format and make a little bit of a run. It's going to be fun to watch as always. We will reconvene in a couple of days at Greyhawk, and we always appreciate folks for tuning in to another edition of College Golf Talk. We'll run it back next week to wrap up the men and sort of put an exclamation point on the season. And maybe if the stars align for us, we'll throw a bonus podcast out in the coming days. We'll see if, uh, you know, everything comes together. No guarantees, but want to maybe wet the whistle to say we might have a little bonus uh, coverage, if you will. But uh, regardless, we will be back next week on College Golf Talk. Again, thanks for your support. As always, for Brent Lamberka, we'll see you again next time. Hey, Fidelity. Can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.